Hi everybody, I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson and this show is about each and every one of us being able to stand up and speak up. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something that through no fault of our own or through our own making we keep hidden and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow. While it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception and your circumstances. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who've been through extraordinary struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and shame and to putting an end to victimization. Let's stand up and become the victor, not the victim. Let's be awesome, not angry, and let's acknowledge what happened and forgive ourselves first and then move on with power. And sometimes stand up and speak up is just about ordinary people having extraordinary experiences in today's life. And we're going through the very strange time of COVID-19, and we've got children at home and parents working around them, or parents at home and children running around them. And that's what my guest is today. My guest is a work-at-home lawyer, a mom, an entrepreneur, who for the first time right now will tell you that her son is in virtual school in another room in the house. And he might come to visit us today. We don't know. Oh, yeah. We'll see. <laughs> so I want to welcome my friend, my attorney, my buddy from Women's Prosperity Network, Ms. Lauren Cohen. And we're here to talk about balancing your work and your life during a crisis. Welcome, my friend. Thanks, Deb. It's always a pleasure to be with you anytime, whether it's virtual or in person. And one day it'll be in person again, God willing. Absolutely. And that's an interesting thing because I, uh, I read an article the other day, and I don't know if I shared this with you, but we're, we're able to keep on virtually, and we're doing it through Zoom, we're doing it through FaceTime. But all those people that you know, are self-critical are now looking at themselves on a screen while they're doing these conferences. And they're thinking, I don't look as good as everybody else, or my hair looks terrible today, or, you know, they're picking at each other, at, at, at themselves, while they're on this conference and they're not paying attention to the conference. Mm-hmm. And so the, the person that wrote this article said, put a piece of paper over your picture so you don't see you. <laughs> and it's I, really I would true. like a piece of paper over my picture sometimes <laughs> so I don't see my hair. <laughs> Well, it's true because when you and I are having a discussion in person, I'm looking at you, you're looking at me, we're not looking at ourselves. Computer, ourselves, or anything. It changes changes the dynamic of the conversation. For sure, 100%. Yep. And you know, when you you opened the discussion, and I don't even know if you know this about me, but talking about people that have been through a lot of adversity in in their lives, and I, I, I believe I've shared this, it's certainly in the... Um, the preface of my book um, is that the, the reason that I, be, that I fell into, let's say, fell into immigration and corporate law and working with people from all over the world is because my ex-husband was um, expeditiously removed and subsequently deported on the way back from our honeymoon. So I would think that that counted as some adversity. I also had a lot of adversity. I could not get pregnant or have a child, and now my kid is nine, and he's mine. All mine. God help me sometimes. But But yeah, so I think that adversity, like you've been through and I've been through certainly many scams on the internet, 
I think that it makes us stronger and we need to forgive ourselves, like you said, and be able to stand up and speak up and be stronger and help others be stronger as well, which is all about the WPN motto of helping another woman up as well. So, so thanks for having me here. Well, I'm really excited. And honestly, I didn't know that story about your, your ex and, uh, and how that happened. And that's really interesting that you got into the business because yeah. of something like that. That's extraordinary. And had you always wanted to be a lawyer? Well, I was a lawyer. I was working in house in a. Um, I was working in house in a in a small business, and um, and uh, oh shoot, I'm so sorry. Okay, I have a problem. My son is not in his math class. I'll be right back. Just a moment. There you go. So here you go, everybody. We just had, you know, we're talking about balancing your work and your life during a crisis. It's really funny. Lauren and I had this discussion last week, and when we were in our call. Her son kept butting in and kept coming in, and she was getting frustrated. And so I said, Lauren, how do you balance this? And she goes, sometimes I can't. Sometimes I don't. And that's part of it. That's part of how we need to be flexible, how we need to you know, work around what's going on here and maybe set some boundaries. But with little guys, boundaries don't work. Uh, bribes yeah, might work at that actually, point. It's true. And um, unfortunately, it was actually his teacher <sighs> wondering where he is. It's definitely challenging because I have a two-story house and it's distracting to be in virtual school when you're not used to it and there's so many distractions in the house and the teacher some last week I was running a webinar there were over 100 people and and the teacher's like where's Zevi well he had fallen asleep oh. and, and how, old I mean, how old is he he's nine he's nine but this so, is really tough on these kids I mean they're used to being with people, being with their peers. He hates virtual school. He's a very social child. I think probably for the more introverted children, it might be a little easier. But for him, he's an only child, and it's definitely challenging. Well, that was part of, part of what I wanted to talk today is how, how are you yeah. dealing with him? Are you working in the morning or working certain hours while he's doing certain things? What's your schedule like on a day like today? I... I <laughs> So I try, my, my plan every day is I get up and I swim, hopefully before he's up. Today it happened to be when he was eating breakfast. I didn't swim long enough, um, but I got at least a little swim in. Then I start my day usually around officially 8.30, quarter to 9. And um, I, I work right through. I really do. I give him lunch. You know, I kind of just, I, I have a lot of demands on my schedule more than usual right now because I'm helping people access money. And, and it's just, a, I, I feel this need to be there for them. Um, and, and I will say that I probably am not as, as much there for my child as I would like to be. Um, and there's, there's a lot of guilt. And I think a lot of us are dealing with that. I mean, we're not used to being at home. We're not used to being at home with our kids. The kids are not supposed to be, at least mine is not supposed to be homeschooled. <laughs> you know, and I, I, it, it's definitely challenging. And um, and sometimes I just let him use PlayStation at the end of the day because I just have so much to do. And um, it, some other parents have a completely different experience. A lot of my colleagues and friends that are quieter at work or maybe they have jobs that they usually go to and they're not working right now or they have a structure around their job, which is um, not as easy for an entrepreneur and definitely not as easy for an entrepreneur that's getting people money right now. So it, it has its share of challenges, and I, I'm not going to lie and say I have it figured out because I don't. I just try to go through each day and do the best that I can do. 
and and make an impact on my clients and make sure that my child is is doing what he needs to be doing. And um, every time I get a message from one of his teachers, I'm like, uh-oh, <laughs> what now? <laughs> and he's a good student. It's just that it's very hard for him to focus when all he's doing is focusing on Zoom all day. Well, and that's what we were talking about because the kids aren't used to seeing each other. And talk about a distraction. You see yourself and you make a face and, you know, you can do all these crazy things. And, uh, I mean, I know when I'm on a conference call and I've got other things to do, sometimes I might, you know, click the video off and just listen to it. But I, and then I'm running around doing other things. I'm not sitting there being deliberate and really, not, you know, using right. that as my, as my focus. And the kids need to be doing that at least part of the time. It's so. very challenging for kids to, like, you know, there's, there, we, enhance, we in, my, in our school, we are very, um, very strong proponents of group activities. Yeah. So now the only group activity involves the, the laptop or the iPad or whatever. And, um, and I'm trying to get him away from electronics, and yet he has to be on electronics all day. And sometimes I don't think there's many parents that can just monitor them all day. I, don't, I probably have a way to do that on my system, but I haven't figured it out so that I know that he's on where he's supposed to be on. So um, definitely an interesting time. Definitely an interesting time. Let's just leave it at that. Because essentially we're, we're separate but in the same house. At least that's the goal. There are no boundaries. The boundaries in my home have always been blurred because I am a single mom and I am an entrepreneur, and it, it's just it's always been blurred. But now, I'm, I'm my office is my bedroom because it's the only space I can have that's completely mine. So I have a mm. um, a um, one of those um, you know room dividers, but it's not mm. ideal. I want to be in my office, but my office is next to the room he's working in. Mm. So you just have to make adjustments and. You just figure out a way to get it to flow and hope for the best, and there are going to be interruptions. And um, no matter how many times I talk to him about it, he, th- there's, there's nothing I can do to change the fact that if he needs me, I'm it, and he's going to come, and that's it. And sometimes he knocks, and then the dog barks, you know. So <laughs> you, you really have to kind of adjust, and, and everybody is, dealing with this, and if people are not going to be understanding, they're probably not the people you want to work with anyway, right, Deb? Because most exactly. people understand if you are a mom or, or a dad and you're at home with your children, which most people are right now, there's nothing that you can do to change the circumstances unless you, like, lock them in a room, which I would never do. So, um, and of course it would be easier if there was more than one child because there would be accountability, but the dog is not the greatest accountability partner for him. You know, she's not exactly checking on to make sure he's doing what he's supposed to do. <laughs> well, and accountability is hard with two kids too because my daughter's a single mom, and sometimes her kids are doing great together, and all of a sudden, you know, someone starts start picking at the other, and then they turn into a fight, right. and then you're right. playing referee. So right. I know one thing that Jenny does do, because she's a school teacher by trade, she actually sits down with the kids in the morning, and they plan a schedule for the whole day, down to the minute. I mean, it's hysterical. I, I, my grandson called up the other day and said, well, Grandma, this is what we're doing today. We're having breakfast, and then they're re- they're, we're going to read scriptures. Then we're going to you know, watch TV for make 10 minutes, and then we're going to make lunch, and then we're going to do this, and we're going to go for a walk. And I was like, Steph, are you going to stick with that? And they actually do um, because wow. Jen ha- Jen's in, in school. Um, getting her master's degree too so she's got to have time for her to study and that's the two hours of quiet time that she's had with the kids all along 
And that's when they go to their room and either take a nap or they're doing something on their own. And they know that mom's got those two hours for her. And mm-hmm. every now and then the three-year-old will knock on the door, but she knows it, and she should be taking a nap at that time. But they have grown up with this schedule. And I, those people that, you know, like me, that like to have control over things, um, I'll do that too, but you just never know when the schedule is going to go off a little bit, and then you have to have that self-control to say, okay, breathe through this. It's not going to be forever, but this is our reality right now. And the kids, like you said, he needs to know, our kids need to know that, that we're there for them. And maybe it means we put down our work for a minute and go take a walk. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it absolutely does. And, of course, here in, in South Florida, it's challenging during the day to take a walk because it's like 1,000 degrees. It's hot. But, I, we, you know, I do, I do make every possible attempt to do that. But as you know, my schedule is always busy. Right. And right now I, I just have this, this demand on my time from people that really need me. And not to say my son doesn't need me, but I feel like this is a temporary thing that I need to be there for them as well as to be there for him. So it's finding that fine line and that balance that, that, that is the most challenging for those of us that aren't used to having our children at home or working from home 24 hours a day, which I think most people are not used to. Um, he's generally pretty good, but he also needs attention. So if he needs attention, I mean, I was working in my living room for a while and I had a little sign, you know, when I, when I was busy or when I was available and I would say, shh. And so he would just ignore it. I, I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. And he, he'd ignore it. So it's, uh, he, he, I think you have to be very sensitive to your children's needs right now because they're going through a really rough time. They don't understand this. We don't understand it. How can they possibly understand it? Why are we stuck at home? Why can't we go out? you know, he has a dad. He hasn't seen his dad in over a month because his dad runs a restaurant. So um, it's, it's definitely taken a toll on, on him, on his life, on his schedule, everything. Even with school, the schedule is much looser. They have a half hour on and 15 minutes off. That's not how mm-hmm. school usually works. Mm-hmm. So I understand. I don't, I don't love it, but it's, it's what we have right now. So I think we... Um, I think we do the best that we can do in the circumstances and then try to spend the, the quality time that you can when you can. So I also, two weeks ago, and this is something I recommend for anybody that has this option available, um, despite having literally not been almost out of the house in, in six weeks, about two weeks ago when it was Passover break for us and my son was off school, I decided I needed I needed some sanity, and so did he. So a, a babysitter that I've been using for years, um, she lives by herself, and she's very, very, very careful. So I decided to let her come in the house, and she's actually been a huge, a huge asset for me. She's been shopping for me. She comes and spends about two, three hours with him. They play outside. He doesn't want to go outside during the day, Debbie. I mean, he, this kid is a baseball kid. He loves baseball and sports and running and I fixed his bike for him. He does not want to go outside. He, he, I think he's in a little bit of a depression himself. So I, 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 that's why I brought the babysitter, because she can run with him and, and engage him and get him, you know, tire him out, get him to be active. 
and it, and she happen, happens to be a substitute teacher. So like your daughter, she understands um, the importance of, of, of a schedule. And so do I, but sometimes it's, it's challenging to keep that schedule. So as I say, we do the best that we can do, and then we, we try to make up for it, I guess. And I'm, I've, written, it, I've written so many articles about balance and how to achieve balance, and, and sometimes I have to take some of my own medicine. I have an assistant writing, uh, sending in articles to, um, to these uh, publications to get published, and the, the one, one of them is called Top 7 Advice Tips. It's like take time for yourself, you know, put the mask on yourself first and make sure that you meditate and do yoga each day and um, put the phone away and make special time for your family. And sometimes I forget all of those three, for example, out of the seven. But, but other times I remember all three. And it, it's just a matter of forgiving yourself, right? Forgiving yourself because none of us are perfect and none of us have been through this before. Right. And every day is different. I mean, my husband and I are trying to walk every afternoon when he gets home from work, and we go out there and we're holding hands. And I mean, we live in the same house; we're, we're, we can we can do that. Um, but other people are out there, and they're on their bikes with their kids, or they're walking, and they're still plugged into their telephones. And the kids are looking mm-hmm. back at them or running ahead of them. And I'm thinking, you know what? If we could just take that half an hour or what, ten minutes that we're out with the kids and just dedicate it to them, show them that we can unplug for a few minutes because we need to do that. Our brains need to rest from the busyness of what we're doing. And, you know, I always tell my folks, too, if, if you can't just put down the phone for a few minutes, then you're, you're not prioritizing your health because that person that's calling, if it's really important, they'll leave a message. Even your clients, Lauren, when I contact you, if, if you're busy, I respect that. I know that. And I'll say, I'll get back with you. You know? Mm-hmm. Now, you're in not a different Not everybody situation. is as understanding as you. I know that, but maybe they need to learn that. Maybe that's part of why we're so doing this yes. right now, right? Yes. It's funny that you say that because I was on a mastermind call the other day, and I was talking about the fact that I'm so quick to respond to everybody. And it's, it's, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing because you create an expectation, and, and that's a boundary issue, right? Mm-hmm. So there's an, uh, an app, I guess it's a, a website that I, I'm just signing up for, and it has a chat bot on it, which can respond to text and respond to chat messages and respond to all kinds of things. And, and it, it has a certain delay sequence, and it's just an auto, auto responder. And it also can help, you know, to manage inquiries and stuff. It's, obviously, we deal with chat bots every day. I was dealing with one yesterday with PlayStation. I wanted to strangle it. But at least this can, it's a, it's a money-saving tool for entrepreneurs. So um, if anybody wants to know what that is, I think it's called Chris. And uh, I'm, I'm literally looking at it on my computer right now. I haven't done anything with it because it's, I want to make sure I choose the right option, and it takes time. So, um, but it's very interesting because everybody is finding solutions right now that maybe wouldn't have existed had this, God forbid, happened several years ago. Um, but there are solutions, and, and I think we need to take advantage of them. And also, one thing that um, I have not done as much as I should is to reach out to friends and actually just have a friend conversation as opposed to always having business conversations. Because friend conversations are equally as important for our mental health and possibly, well, certainly our emotional health, but possibly also our physical health. And, and we're not reaching out to friends as much as we should. Maybe some are, but 
I guess that I'm guilty of not doing that because I'm on the phone so much. So a friend is like, I, I barely even chat with them. It's like a, a guilty indulgence, but we need that, right? I had that discussion with my, actually, my neighbor is one of my best friends. She just moved into the neighborhood about a couple of months ago. And she was sitting on her patio, and she goes, just come over and sit six feet away from me. She says, I just mm-hmm. need to see a person because she lives at home by right. herself. I just need a person, you know, that I can hug from afar. And, um, and we do that. <clears throat> you and I talked about that the other day, too, about how you hadn't seen friends. And you were getting, I could hear it in your voice. You were so frustrated. So, I mean, we're actually, tonight, it's funny, I've got a, a Zoom call with my family tonight. My parents are, are going to get online for the first time, and my brothers and their kids. We set up a time, we're like, okay, everybody, we have 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Pop in if you can. Let's just see you. You know, make something up funny that you'll, you're going to laugh or you're going to do whatever. I mean, the last week that we did it, my parents couldn't get on Zoom, so I had them on FaceTime at my phone, and I flipped my phone around so that they could see everybody, and it was just hysterical to try to connect. But that, you know, 30 minutes together, mm-hmm. even though we live around the country, was so fun. And yeah. uh, it was something that we should have been doing. I don't like to should have could ourselves, but it's mm-hmm. something that we are probably going to do from now on, you know, on a regular basis. Because it's different. We don't all get to, to see each other um, because we live so far away from each other. So, that, so this you know, can be a way to bring people together, and that's another bonus of it is that there are, many people are complaining. They don't get to see each other in person. They don't get to do networking. They don't get to, and, and I look at it differently because I think it's a way to build stronger bonds because you don't have that distance. It's like it doesn't matter if you're down the street or, or you know, around, across the country or across the world for that matter. Um, and, and business networking, gonna, don't I'm sorry, don't you find sometimes business networking is really just your body's in the same place? You're not really connecting. I mean, it's on a, on a very surface level that you're connecting in a business networking meeting. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's definitely, yeah, it's just very surface. Um, oh, sorry, I'm sorry, the teacher's texting me again, you see? I, I, it <laughs> never happens except if I'm in an interview and then and then he's, uh, he's not there. It's okay. I put a um, sign on my front door. Don't don't ring the bell. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just have to say, "Hey, you know, I'm not here." Um, but that's part of it too. That's all part of balancing this whole work life thing during your during a crisis, or it's actually just during real life. This is real life for us right now, and it's going to change. But then something else will happen, and um, you know, you just have to get get used to what's happening and 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 do your best with it. And Bless his heart. You know, it's like having a a little child when when you're. I was a stay at home mom with four kids, and I just wanted a minute to myself, so I'd have to go into the bathroom. The kids would be right at the door, banging on the door. You know, just for a minute, give us a break. Um, but when they want your attention, they know when you're when you're busy and preoccupied, and that's when they're going to want your attention. Um, but that's okay. You know, that's why we're here. So, Lauren. Yeah, they, they always want your attention, especially when you're busy. You were talking earlier about how you're working with entrepreneurs and funding right now. And we're going to talk just mm-hmm. a few minutes because I know people are here. We, we put on one of the bullets that says, can you rely on the government to rescue you? Well, mm-hmm. I personally would say no. You know, no. we all need to be a little more self-sufficient and, and plan. But this has been an extraordinary time for small businesses yours, mine, all of ours included, um, yeah. and some of us are going are gonna to get some money and some of us aren't. 
So why do you say that, they, that the government can rescue or can't rescue, and what's happening in your life with this particular issue right now? Sure. Um, so I guess that the reality is you should never rely on the government. We should never have to. Obviously, some businesses are much more impacted, like restaurants and hospitality businesses and, you know, some healthcare providers like chiropractors. So they um, may have to rely on government funds, but the reality is that if, if we were smart business owners, and I'm guilty myself, I'm a single mom, I don't have those, um, those, um, th- that rainy day fund as much as I should, but, and a lot of people don't because they live either paycheck to paycheck or week to week, and um, it's very challenging for them to have that storehouse, especially if they're just kind of running their business at, you know, at a very low um, return on investment or their revenues are low or whatever the case may be or their margins are slim. So when that happens, we do need to rely on government funding a little bit. But the government funding ran out. Now a second round is coming, but you've got to get the, the applications in. If this is something that you need, if you need government money or if you want it, and certainly there, every small business is entitled to it, some businesses that weren't so small got a lot of it, which is not cool because they manipulated the system. But there are ways to access money, not just government money, but also private money from foundations and from big companies like Facebook and Amazon. There are funds available um, to businesses. It's just a matter of figuring out what works for you. So I have resource guides. I have a Facebook group. It's called Pivot or Parish. I know you're a member of it, Debbie, and I'm um, every day I'm uploading um, information and data and, and um, tips and resources free. And there's also obviously paid resources available. But the key is that there's a lot available for you, for the small business owner, and it's just a matter of waiting through it and then actually applying for it. Because don't feel guilty if you need that money. It's a shame to have to rely on that money, but don't feel guilty if you need that money. It's normal. But the other thing is that, you know, there's a lot out there and a lot of it that you might be seeing is not real. You know, we deal a lot with scams and fraud. So how would, how, how would people know if it's the real deal or not? You know, where, where do you see them going to find out? You know, do you go to the sba.gov site? Do you go to your bank's site, um, you know, your Pivot, your Facebook group? If, right. if, if I were to call you not, you know, well, it's kind of odd because I've already called you and we've already worked through this, but a person that hasn't ever been involved in this before and they're seeing all of this information around, yeah. you know, it's and they're getting emails. They're getting emails from people too. What do you, what do you say to them? Where do you go first? Mm-hmm. Um, so I got an email like this yesterday from somebody who said, I just have a really simple question about the Paycheck Protection Program. There's no such thing as a really simple question, just like in law. There's no such <laughs> thing. Okay? And, and, of course, what this person wanted was for me to answer the question without him having to pay for a consult, right? And I don't know this person, so why am I going to – then it was not a simple question. Oh, I'm sorry, let me backtrack. So he says this, and I said, well, here are the options to set up a call with me, and I forwarded them to him. And he said, well, here's my question anyway. So after he said, I'm happy, he actually had originally said, do you have paid, op- paid consult options? So I sent him all the options, and he said, oh, here's my question. I'm like, well, what? what? So, so it was kind of strange, but I, um, I re- 
I, I responded and I said, this is not a simple question. It will require research. What would you like to do next? But then there's other people that will call, like a, a, a lawyer colleague of mine the other night around 1130. I happen to be up. She's texting me, asking me how to file these documents. I'm like, you know, you're a lawyer. Now, I didn't become an expert at this um, because, I'm such, because I deal with loans every day. I became an expert at this because I'm a lawyer that understands numbers and realized that there was a need to come, come through and show up as a leader. And, um, and, I, and I helped her through it, and I didn't charge her. But the reality is I, I should have because it's my time. So it's challenging to know exactly what to say. It's kind of like, you know, I'm building this tribe. I'm building these relationships. I'm creating um, opportunities for the future. But at some point, you have to draw the line. We had a call about this yesterday about is it okay to charge for your services? And of course it is, but there's a lot of guilt around it, just like there's a lot of guilt around me with my son. Um, so it's it's definitely challenging um, for for us to figure out the fine line too. So what I would do is I would, for, if, a, if a prospect, prospective client or somebody like yourself, Deb, comes to me, I'd say, let's figure out what you can apply for from the government, and then let's look at your options for other, other loans and grants, both from governments, state governments, federal maybe, other options that are available, not disaster loans, there's other SBA loans, and what grants are available, and let's see if we can apply for some of them um, and, and streamline the process as much as possible. Mm-hmm. But take it systematically. Just don't go haywire and jump at the first shiny object. Yeah, that's for right. sure, because the first shiny object could end up being very unshiny after the fact. Um, for example, the Florida disaster loan, was, well, it was available for a very short time, up to 50000 They ran out of money super fast. So I had one client, we were spending, it was a big application, we spent hours and hours preparing the application and then they ran out of money and she hadn't filed. Mm. Nothing uh, that, and the same happened with a lot of people with the SBA loans. But if you, I'm going to say, I don't know if this is live or, or what's going yeah, on. Yeah, this if is live. People, pardon me? We're live. Okay. And if people are listening now or they listen later, you need to apply now. Don't wait because they will run out of money again. I'm doing a webinar at 4 p.m. today Eastern. If you want details, just join my Facebook group, Pivot or Parish. We'll be talking about what, uh, what's available and what's next because it doesn't, getting the money is only the tip of the iceberg. What you do with that money is what's going to determine your fate going forward, your success or your failure, whether you have to pay that money back or it's forgiven. They, they, you have to have a strategy. If you don't have a strategy, you will perish. And that's why I've called that group Pivot or Perish. You, mm. Even if it's a slight pivot, even if it's a pivot in the way you talk to clients, even if it's a pivot in the way you're running your business or marketing your business, you need to be aware that there is a pivot that's needed in order to be successful over the short and long term. Mm-hmm. And that's really important because you listen to the news and you hear one thing and then you hear something else and it's just like back and forth, like what, what are we doing? How do we actually do this? And uh, it's terribly confusing as a small business person, especially if you work by yourself or you just have a small team and you're thinking, oh my gosh, what do I do? You know, and my accountant, he's a great guy, but he didn't have any suggestions for me. You know, I, I worked with you and I may or may not get any money out of this, but at least there was a, an attempt. Um, in the meantime, you know, just keep cranking, just keep doing your job, and, and like 
we're still marketing our company and we're still going out there online uh, to do our, our supplement company and just you know and actually it's really interesting I had someone call me the other day and say you know what we're really stressed out you need to talk about your your multi B vitamins because mm. people need to have B vitamins to get their energy mm-hmm. back and you know to de-stress mm-hmm. something that's a true statement. So I'm going to put a pitch in for BenfoComplete.com. That's my company. Absolutely. That, you know, Lou started, and, and uh, it, it's, we've got multi-B vitamins that are extraordinary that help out with this stress and the balance. And I probably need to get you a bottle, Lauren, because you were stressed last week. Yeah. Um, but it's tough. It's just we're in, a, we're in a situation that we've not been in before and not exactly like this. We've all been under stress. And we've all had life balances that, you know, work and life that we have to deal with. And uh, it's just a different time right now because, it, especially in your house, you've got little ones around. So I'm going to open up our call now to everyone. If anybody's got any questions, come on on. Um, otherwise, we've got some other things we want to talk about. So let me see if I can do this here. And I don't – it's the first time we've done that. So if somebody does, okay, if you can mute yourselves if you're, if you're at home, if you'd like to you know, ask Lauren a question or, or come in on this discussion, we're talking about balancing work, your work and your life during a crisis and, uh, and how the government's not going to rescue you, so what should you be doing? So we're here, and Lauren's got a lot of information. If anybody would like to pipe in, please do. Yep, happy to answer any questions as best as I can. And if not, we'll just continue on our conversation about uh, what, sh- what I've had a few people uh, write into me uh, to give tips on what to do with the kids. And uh, I know we have some writers in the group. I've got one here that says, write to each other. Isn't that a novel idea? Mm. Sit down and write the a letter. The physical act of writing is definitely a challenge for these children. Yeah. Well, and how about having them send a letter that's got a picture in it? You know, draw something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There is, you can unmute yourself if you're listening. Um, but my grandsons, I love my, my I've got four grandkids, and, and a couple of them have sent me pictures, and they've just been darling. They're, you know, I've actually sent them books to draw or to read or something like that. I, I actually saw a great um quote this morning it says reading gives us somewhere to go when we have to stay where we are if you think about that reading gives us somewhere to go when we have to stay where we are Mm -hmm. it's your imagination you know Mm -hmm. reading can take you anywhere I mean I do it to relax I like audible so I'll sit on the porch and then I'll end up falling asleep but I just love to be able to listen to things and to listen to different languages or different um, I, I like the southern the southern uh, accents. You know, I grew up. I grew up up north, but I went to school in the south, so I really do enjoy that, and uh, and it's fun. So, forgot to turn off the announcements. Oh, I've got, <laughs> I got Tim writing to me. I'm going to bring Tim in here in a few minutes, Dr. Tim um, McGinnis, who's the founder of Scars, and we're going to talk about what's new in in the world, uh, and we're going to basically be talking about safety and security of kids online. But one thing about that, Lauren, does do you worry about Sevy being online? And how are yes. you, as a mom, monitoring what he's doing? Yeah, I'm not doing a great job of monitoring. There are, um, there are some apps that are available, and I actually wrote a note to myself that I need to 
download that. So uh, really, I'm just running up and down the stairs. And I, I know that there are many apps that you can monitor what your children are doing online. The only thing that I have right now is through Xfinity just to monitor how much time he's online, especially if he's on the PlayStation or something. But during the day, um, it's, it's challenging because on top of that, there's a bed in his office, the room he's using as his office or his work room. And these kids are, at least my kid is tired. So it's also, you know, it's, it's, there's just so many different levels of supervision that are required. I feel like I need a camera up there, like when he was a little baby. So um, uh, I, I, there are, like I say, there are apps available. It's just a matter of finding them. Okay, because it's tough, and, and Tim's going to talk about this on what, we, what, kids can, what we can do as parents to be careful, um, but it's just being aware. You know, like Jenny, my mm-hmm. daughter, really limits the kids. They, they're almost to the point they don't get on TV much. Um, and then my other grandkids, they're watching things a lot, uh, but they're monitored on Disney and that kind of stuff, and it's not opened up. But I do worry about some of the kids that are maybe home alone or in their rooms alone that have access to their computers. And unless we've got parental guidance or parental um, parameters on their computers, they could be getting into almost anything. And yeah. or like, you know, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You actually had a conference call that got hacked. Yes. I got I had a um a webinar with a hundred lawyers and it was hacked and it was awful. Really awful. Yeah. yeah. And so we gotta be really, really careful about what's going on, you know, around us especially, and especially for our children, for sure. Especially as a kids and, and I know, you know, as a parent that has virtual school I'm assuming, and this might be an assumption, and this is something Tim can talk about, is the schools, I'm hoping, really did a good job of clamping down on security so that the, those sites aren't getting hacked. And uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get into that in a few minutes, too, because that, that's so important. That's one less thing that you want to have to be worried about when you've got your kids downstairs on a computer by themselves. So... Well, yeah. my darling, we're going to bring Tim McGinnis in. This is a little bit early, but I know Tim's got some really good information. Tim is the founder of SCARS, which is the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams. I'm actually on the board, <clears throat> on the board of advisors with SCARS and, and working very closely with them uh, with, with, you know, in relationship to the scam that I had in, in, um, a couple of years ago. Um, but Dr. Tim, are you with us today? Can you hear me? I can hear you. How are you feeling today? I'm doing strange. Apparently, I have the coronavirus, but I have a very mild case of it. It's just strange well, in this comparison is odd to what be- other people have experienced. You've been so socially distancing for a couple of weeks. How, how could you have caught it? Well, uh, obviously, courtesy of Publix uh, a week ago. Oh, it was exactly five days after my visit to Publix to do the essential shopping every two weeks that um, I started to come down with uh, some peculiar symptoms. In my case, it was low-grade fever, 101, uh, mild headaches, and strangely uh, dizziness, um, feeling of faintness. So let that run for a day, see what was going on, just to see if it was perhaps migraine or allergy. But no, the symptoms persisted. Went to CVS and picked up an inexpensive pulse and blood oxygenation monitor that slips on your fingertip 
And indeed, my uh, my blood oxygenation levels are are low, not disastrous, but low. And I've been feeling, you know, tightness in my chest, indication of early respiratory. So, but I'm apparently lucid. Um, if I'm not, and I I you know, start talking about leprechauns and fairies, well, then just mute me. Well, we're, we're, we're really glad that you're here, Tim, because, you know, when I got that message last night that you were coming down with it, I, I haven't been around anybody that's had it, and I was really hoping that, you know, either you could get tested or that you could rest and just, you know, get yourself through this. So are you going to be able to get tested? That's been a hot topic um, in the country. Yes, I will go out this afternoon. There is a location here in our county that is offering uh, for anyone who is showing symptoms, so uh, that's pretty straightforward. Okay, okay. Well, we mm-hmm. wish you the absolute best. So, my, but, I'm sorry to interrupt. My, my associate went, she had thought she had had it, she and her family, about two months ago. So she went up in West Palm to a facility, but she had to pay because she didn't show signs now. And uh, she did have it. Her whole family did. But now they're like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, obviously she's not just suffering now, but they don't know exactly what that means if you did have it, other than the fact that you can do a plasma to help others. So anyway. Well, exactly. So it, it, if you have had it, the most important thing you can do is to donate blood so that they can develop plasma therapies for the more severe uh, victims of this virus. Mm-hmm. Well, there's going to be a, it's going to be really interesting to watch and to see and, and for people to understand, you know, that they had it or they didn't. Or, I mean, my daughter got sick in December, and she's like, well, maybe I had it, Mom. And, but back then they were just they were um, testing for the flu, the regular flu, and it all comes back negative. So you just right. never know. But, Tim, in our conversation with Lauren about balancing work and life during crisis, um, we were talking about security for kids. And that's something that you, uh, as the founder of SCARS, is, is very involved with. And could you just kind of tell us the, the resources that SCARS has and what the tip of, or, you know, what's happening in the world today as far as security for our kids online? Yes, absolutely. Um, let me pass along one suggestion, which is foundational in the approach to avoidance of scams online. First off, relative to any of the the stimulus incentives that are out there. If you receive an email unsolicited from anyone, treat it absolutely as a scam, delete it, do not pass go, do not collect $200, because anything that comes unsolicited by definition is a marketing pitch. So just treat it as a scam and move on from there. If you have gone to a website and requested information, that's different. But anything that is unsolicited, or excuse me, is solicited, but without your request, uh, avoid at all costs. And that's going to save you from all types of scams. And teach your children this also, because they're going to be barraged by every kind of scam imaginable and lots of them that are completely unimaginable. There's another thing that is paramount to avoidance of scams in general, especially important for children and their parents, quite honestly, and it will have other benefits. I've, in my career, worked at home many, many times. And what I always found is I would keep a kitchen timer at my workstation, uh, a silent digital one. Obviously, the the ticking would drive you nuts. But 
a silent one so that I would work heads down for no more than an hour and a half. And then I would go and not only check on my daughter, but interrupt our routine and do something together, maybe even if it's only for five or ten minutes, but break that cycle of connection and concentration and total absorption with the, with the world online because doing that also helps make you less vulnerable to a multitude of forms of social engineering and potential manipulation. Just breaking that cycle so that you can step away, think about something else, and whatever it was that you were on, you can come back with a fresh mind, with a refreshed mind, is critical. And this applies to everyone regardless of their age, but especially with children, because they can get so focused and into whatever it is that they're doing that they will completely lose sight of not only the outside world, but any form of perspective. So when we talk about children and children's vulnerability to scams and cyber crimes, there's a very broad range of things that children are especially vulnerable to. The obvious ones we know about, the potential of meeting strangers online who will then, over a period of time, groom them for the most unspeakable things. We know about that. And as a parent, you can help control these situations to some great extent, actually, by working with your ISPs, if you've got an internal uh, Wi-Fi modem, figure out how to go into the modems dashboard control panel and set up the websites that your children are permitted to use. Actually create a user for each child and with their own individual password so that their devices connect differently than your devices. And this is actually not that hard to do. And if you call your, your ISPs or your phone companies or your cable companies, technical support, they can walk you through this. So locking down what domains, what apps, what services they're allowed to use is really your first step. The second step is, unfortunately, it is unlawful for children below the age of 13 to be on any website or web service without an explicit parental uh, authorization. This is a law that I actually helped author back in uh, the early 2000s called the Children's Online Privacy and Protection Act. And it explicitly sets the requirement for all online services to ask for the age. You see this as the year people were born. Well, that didn't exist before the debacle with the original social media company called MySpace. In 2003, 2004, um, an industry consortium of which I was a part went through the federal government to complain about MySpace's total inundation of pedophiles, porn, other types of criminality, and the fact that virtually millions of parents were having kids as, as young as four years old having their own MySpace page to share photos with friends and families and make them immediately uh, available to pedophile groomers and the like. And so the FTC enacted this law based upon the, the draft provided by our consortium. And the net result is 
It requires that everyone, including Facebook, not to allow children below the age of 13 to have an account without parental permission, except kids lie. You have to assume that that's going to happen. So it's important to monitor this and be aware of it. Also, just as an FYI, no parent should be posting family photographs in their Facebook timeline, Twitter, or Instagram without extreme privacy controls. You do not want strangers to be able to see your kids. This is how kids are targeted, both by human traffickers and pedophiles. Whether we like it or not, this is the reality that we live in day in, day out. There are monsters out there. They may not be under the bed, but they're definitely outside your door and waiting for children across the country. Not to instill fear, but like a warrior wandering through the high grass of Africa, you're going to carry a spear or a shotgun or a bazooka, whatever the case may be, because there are lions hiding in the grass ready to pounce and eat you at a moment's notice. This is true everywhere online. Over the last 10 years, cyber-enabled crimes as opposed to true cyber crimes. And the difference is cyber-enabled crimes utilize the Internet to find victims and then engage in one form of attack or another. A cyber crime is typically hacking, computer to computer, or a, a nefarious black hat uh, that attacks computer systems and networks. Cyber-enabled crime runs the gamut from anything from scams, which desire to get some poor soul through massive manipulation to, or social engineering specifically, to send them money or to steal their identification through, through phishing, spear phishing, etc. But it can also be used by darker forces in the world to identify, localize, and target uh, anyone who is vulnerable, whether that's a, an 80-year-old woman, a 65-year-old man, or a 13-year-old girl. So ironically, in the world of cyber-enabled enabled scams, there is a bell curve, but it's upside down. And at the two extremes are the elderly and the young. Children are incredibly, extraordinarily susceptible to cyber-enabled social engineering scams, including enticing children to go and get their parents' credit card and banking information so that the scammers can steal money. But actually, one of the, the largest growth areas in uh, cyber engineering targeting children is with sextortion. Children are inherently naive. By definition, they have no real-world experience. They don't know what is real and what is not real. Unfortunately, parents are not communicating sufficiently on these topics, not utilizing real-world exam examples. And, of course, by the time somebody is a teenager, they automatically think they know everything, which is why families used to have large numbers of kids, because the ones that thought they know everything got eaten. But the reality is we have to protect kids by educating them realistically, authentically and thoroughly about the dangers that exist. No stranger is safe. Absolutely, no stranger is safe. Treat every single one of them, any unsolicited friend or contact request, treat them as though they are a monster 
and act accordingly. That doesn't mean that you can't connect with unknown people online, but you have to treat them as potential scammers or criminals or worse. So when I was talking about sextortion, unfortunately the highest growth area is in 15-year-old girls. Some gorgeous 18-year-old, 20-year-old guy contacts them, and of course it's head over heels in a short period of time, and they will do what they're asked to do unless they know better. So the result is they will send inappropriate information, which teens are doing all over the world right now anyway without any perception of consequence. And the reality is nothing is ever erased from the web. There are global archives that record every piece of content imaginable. There are services out there that automatically copy available Facebook images, available Twitter images, and put them into databases. Just being able to do a Google image search tells you the fact that these images are in Google's database. So those images that a teenage boy or girl may be sending to others could easily end up on one of the global archives and be out there for the rest of their lives. Nothing we do anymore is hidden. Nothing we do anymore is forgotten. And in fact, there is the major global movement right now demanding that as a civil right to be able to have and purge your personal information as a right to be forgotten. But going back to children, so the normal sextortion model is some slightly older fake profile using stolen photos of a celebrity or someone else will contact a child. They'll engage in a period of grooming. And this period can last anything from days to weeks to months. And in the process, they will get the subject victim to send compromising photographs. Once those have been set, the trap is triggered, and they now come back and demand money or something else in return for not exposing these photos. And of course, a teenager is highly vulnerable because of their social circles. So the exposure, the release of such photos, and of course, this is true also of adults. There are countless people that we deal with who have been victims of uh, sextortion all the way right up into their 80s. Um, so the net result is it's, it's blackmail give me money or give me something else, many times the something else is greater and greater escalation type of photos, leading literally up to teenage girls doing amateur porn on demand for their blackmailers. But it can also lead to a demand to meet some stranger in person at some location unknown to the parents, Frequently, these scams will involve threats of violence against the family members that the scammer claims to know where the family lives, and unless the, the victim is compliant, they will visit the home and kill the family. What 15-year-old girl is prepared to be able to deal with that unless their parents and family have thoroughly explored these issues with them in advance? Which they probably have not. 
because we all tend to, you know, like we said earlier, that we are at home together but separated. And the kids aren't going to show you their phones. They're not going to show you what they're, what they're doing online. Um, and if, unless, you know, you're an active parent that's, that's asking and participating and looking, uh, you're going to be clueless, and, and that's tough. So I, I so appreciate what you brought to the table here, Tim. Um, is there a, a Facebook group or is there some information on the SCARS site that if people want to learn more about children's and safety that we've got available for them? We, SCARS has several pages on Facebook. So one of the ones that we have that focuses on this topic is called Kids Scams. So if you do a simple search in Facebook for kid, kids, K-I-D-S, scams, space, scars, you'll find our page. In addition, we have through that page a parents group specifically dedicated to addressing scams and cyber vulnerabilities that afflict our children that anyone is welcome to become a member of uh, who is a parent, and we do screen very heavily to keep the bad guys out of all SCARS groups. In addition, we have a large number of articles on our website called RomanceScamsNow.com, a very extensive collection of articles on the psychology of scams that not only affect adults, but they also affect children, methodo- methodologies of scammers to engage in social engineering, uh, <clears throat> other forms of manipulation, uh, various trigger effects like the amygdala hijack, uh, gaslighting, and other techniques that the scammers use knowing that this gives them an in and a wedge to be able to achieve their result. And children are significantly more vulnerable partly because they believe they are so invulnerable. Absolutely. So we're going to kind of wrap this up today because we know that we've got to balance our lives and we've got a certain amount of time that we can you know, be on calls and, and be there for our kids. So I want to thank everybody that has been with us today. Thank you to Lauren Cohen. You can reach her at scaleupcheckup.com or see her on, on her Facebook, Pivot or Parish. I'd like to thank Dr. Tim McGinnis, who is my friend, my uh, colleague in SCARS, and for all the great information on RomanceScamsNow.com. I want to say this episode has been sponsored by BenfoComplete.com, a vitamin supplement that supports people with neuropathy. If you know anybody that has got diabetes or neuropathy, please check us out at BenfoComplete.com. Thank you for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. We are here for you. We are here for the ordinary person that has had extraordinary things happen to them that are hiding, that need to stand up and speak up so that they can move up. And I always like to say, stand up, speak up, woman up. You can make that stand up, speak up, man up if you're a man listening. We're here for you every Thursday morning at 9 o'clock Eastern Time. Join us next week for another edition. Thank you so much. Go out there today. Balance your life. Balance your work, but be there for your families. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. We will hear you, talk to you next week. Take care, everybody.